All right, if you're a kid and you usually go to kids' church, I want you to come on up front. If you're a kid and you usually go to children's church, I want you to come up front. Come and have a seat. Wherever you want to is fine. And if you're a, you know, a parent that has to come and join, that's fine too. All right. Why don't you guys find a seat on the floor because I'm going to need you guys to help me. So uh, as you're coming, I have a couple of dollars for you. I want you to hold that. And I want you to hold that. Are there any more kids that want to come and get in on this really good deal this morning? Do you usually get money when you come to church? I don't either. Oh, come on. Have a seat. Come have a seat. We're going to have some fun for you. Any other takers? Yeah, I betcha. Okay, well, you know, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. See me after church. If you fill out the coloring page as well, I may reward you with a couple bucks. Oh, don't say thank you yet. You haven't found out what it's for. All right. So today, you guys get to stay in church. Isn't that amazing? I'm really excited you're here. I'm excited. Well, I'm sorry. I thank you for your honesty. And the best thing is you'll at least get to take cash home, okay? All right, that's not bad. All right, that's fine. This morning, we're going to talk about this, but first, I want to tell you that our story today, Jesus is going to tell a parable. And it's a parable that's about purses. And so I got to thinking about purses, and now some of you girls like purses, but the boys not so much. So I thought, bags, hey, there's a great idea. So I brought a bag. What's this first bag that you see here? Um, it's luggage. It's a suitcase, right? So what would you do with this, with this suitcase? What would you guys do? What? Uh-huh. What would you do with it? Go to the airport. Perfect. And go somewhere really fun. Anybody else? What would you do with your suitcase? Take a trip have a vacation, have lots of fun, right? Well, that's one good thing to do with vacation, and I think about my luggage, and I think it represents vacations and fun. It might represent, if you're a kid, taking your um, Nintendo or your video games, right? And going somewhere fun. Okay, so we have a suitcase. All right, here's my next bag. What kind is this? A backpack. A backpack. You're right, you can go to school with it. Exactly, way cool. What else might you do with a backpack, just for fun and giggles? Take it to school. Have you ever gone on a hike and packed your snacks on your hike? You could do that too. But school, yeah, absolutely. School, that's a good one. All right. Here's my next bag. What's this one? A lunchbox. A lunchbox. Huh, I wonder what we do in that one. What do we do with that one? You put food in it. Uh huh, that's right. Good. All right, we got that food. So we got. Travel and vacation and fun. We got backpack for school. We got our lunch bag for food. What's next? A purse. Oh, a purse. Okay. Yeah, so, so this isn't my usual purse. My purse is usually big, like a suitcase. So this one's kind of pretty, don't you think? Where, I, where might I take this purse? Girls, you kind of helped out here. Where would I take this purse? Anywhere, maybe. What about? You might put your money inside it. Would you take it somewhere really fancy? Is this like a fancy dress purse? 
a fancy dress purse. I'm a girl, I can do that up here, right? It's my fancy purse. I might go to a really fun party, right? I might spend it on clothing. It reminds me of my clothing and pretty dresses. Okay, there's that one. All right, my last bag. What is that? Yeah. So old people sometimes use this. So this, you might call this a fanny pack, but you know what I did with it? I used it when I ran the half marathon in March. What do you think I put in it? What? Maybe water. Yeah, I clipped on the side, right? I put my phone and my keys so that when I'm running, right, I don't lose my stuff, okay? So this bag kind of represents sports to me, right? At my house growing up, or when my kids were young, my boys played baseball. They had a baseball bag. Maybe you have a soccer bag that you put your soccer ball in, or if you're like my daughter, she has a track bag. She puts her track shoes in, right? Well, all these bags represent different parts of our lives. And in our story today, Jesus is going to talk about purses. And he's going to say that like our purses, are, we have treasure. So show me your treasure. Show me your treasure. Yeah, you got your treasure, right? Okay. Jesus, we're going to use the money to say treasure. Now, Jesus in our story says that we can invest our treasure and, and put them into earthly things or heavenly things. So I might take my treasure and I might spend it all on my vacation. Or maybe I take all my treasure and I spend it on school. Yuck, right? But no, really, we might. We might spend all our money on food or on our clothing or on our sports. And Jesus says something really interesting about money and about our heart. Jesus says that where our money is, that's where our heart is too. And that heart is that inside part of us, right? That's where we do the most important things. And Jesus says that we can either choose to invest it in vacation and school and those kinds of things, or we can invest it in heavenly things. Right? Did you know that? You have a chance to take our treasures and invest it in heavenly things. And if we invest it in heavenly things, it's not going to fall apart. It's not going to get lost. And no one's going to steal it from us. So that's our story today. Now, here's what I want you to do. I've given you $2. Show me your $2. <clears throat> okay. One of these things doesn't look like the other. Mm -hmm. Which one doesn't look like the other? The one with the orange one. Okay. Okay, so parents got to listen. Kids, you got to listen really carefully. This is your assignment. This is your fun. Later on in the service, there's going to be an offering basket that goes by. You get to put the dollar in that doesn't have the orange sticker on it, okay? Because Jesus says that when we share with others, when we give to others, we're investing in heaven. Okay? So when that offering basket goes by, you're going to put that dollar in. This dollar with the orange label on it, you are going to do a couple, of, maybe one of two things with. It's yours to take home today. And you can put it in your wallet or your purse at home. Now, or your money box, whatever. But when you open your purse, your wallet, your money box, and you see the dollar bill with that orange tag on it, 
I want you to be thinking about investing it in heaven. And I want you to either keep it as a reminder in your wallet or find someone to give it to that needs it. You know what? It's yours. You can do what you want with it. What I'm suggesting is that we listen to God and we listen to Jesus in our story and we do what he says and we invest it in heaven. Okay, any questions? Parents, you got it straight? All right. So these are yours to take back to your seats. And before you go back to your seats, I also have coloring pages and a word search and crayons and pencils. Janelle's going to help you get it. While you guys are going back to your seats, maybe there's a grown-up that says coloring pages sounds super fun. Yours are in the back with colors, and you can get them, okay? So kids, you can go back. In a second, grown-ups and older kids, we're going to stand and read that passage together out loud. I'm going to take off my fanny pack, my old lady bag. All right. Hopefully I won't trip the worship team later. Aren't you thankful for the worship team? Aren't you thankful for our sound people? Aren't you thankful for those that put out the coffee and donuts every Sunday? Right? Um, I am glad that we serve one another and our local body. So, our tradition usually here is we stand when God's word is read. It's a way of kind of saying we respect it and it makes us pay special attention. So we're going to all stand together. I'm going to be reading from Luke 12, verses 32 to 40. It'll be on the screen. You're welcome to pull out your Bible. I'm sorry I didn't look it up to see what page number it was in the Bible. I was distracted in all the kids' stuff this morning. Luke, chapter 12, 32 through 40. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven, and the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it, and no moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning, as though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Then you'll be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth. He himself will seat them. He'll put on an apron and he will serve them as they sit and eat. He may come in the middle of the night or just before dawn, but whenever he comes, he will reward the servants who are ready. Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. This is the active and living word of God. Thanks be to you. All right, have a seat. So January of this year, we had finished Christmas, we were wrapping and cleaning and putting away, and it was time for Janelle and Jeremy to go back to school, and Janelle has too much stuff to fit in her suitcase. 
she's got Christmas presents, she's got clothes that she left at home that she's going to need later that season, and we say, Janelle, let's just pack a box and we'll send it to you at college. So we pack the box and we get it all ready to go. I haven't quite put the address on it, but it's there. And we take her to the airport, she flies off to school. A few days later, I get a text, Mom, did you send me that box yet? Sometimes I get a little distracted and I forget. And so finally I put the address on it and it sits in the living room a couple more days. Oh, I gotta take that to the post office, I say. So finally Scott gets around to it and he takes the package to the post office and he mails it off. I text Janelle, Janelle, guess what? Your box is on the way. Great. Okay, go back to work, go about our lives. A few days later, Janelle's like, I haven't seen that text or that box yet, Mom. Are you sure it got sent? Are you sure the address was right? So, you know, we kind of go, oh, yeah, yeah. And so I said, Scott, did you mail it? Oh, yeah, I did. Okay. A few more days go by, still no box. A few more days, still no box. And I'm starting to get concerned. What's happened to this box? And I said, Scott, how did you send it? Like, you know, what kind of mail did you use? Did you get a, um, a guarantee of delivery? Did you get a signature that they signed for? You know what? It was a big box. He's like, nope, it was big box, sent it cheap as it could, ground. <laughs> okay, so, you know, it might even take a few days longer. A few days go by, a few days go by, no box. And then Jessica and I start to panic. Janelle's like, hmm, well, maybe it's gone. And I'm like, I'm so sorry, Janelle, we lost your box. She's like, it's just stuff, Mom. But Jessica and I are like, Oh, so sad, you lost your box, because in her box there was, you know, stuff. You know, she had her um, beanie cap that had a unicorn on it that she got for Christmas. It had her favorite Patagonia puff jacket, you know, the ones that we wear here, but on the, west, on the East Coast they're a little cold yet in the winter, but she was going to wear it in the spring. Um, so my family, my sister is generous, and she gives my kids Patagonia jackets, just for the record, and I'm thinking, hmm, okay, there's that, her favorite jackets in there. And then all of her favorite t-shirts that she was going to wear for the spring track season, and she didn't have them. And Jessica and I are very upset. We've lost her precious stuff. And we keep waiting and hoping, and we keep praying and Jessica and I are still just sad. Stuff. We all have it, right? Our passage today says, invest in things in heaven. And the story just reminds me of how much stuff is important. So last week, Rolf did a great job talking about stuff. And he asked us these questions. He said um, that sometimes stuff has a way of making us crazy. And in the passage, he also says, are people more important to us than our stuff? Well, that was last week's, and this week's passage is farther down in the, in the chapter 12 of Luke, but in the middle, Jesus is still talking about stuff. And he says in those verses between it, those famous things like, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. And um, the birds of the field and the flowers, everything that they need, God has given them. And how much more important are you, the disciples of God, how much more important are you than the birds and the flowers? And he says, don't be concerned and don't worry. And then this week we're still talking about stuff. But it's a little different, right? So the lectionary passage today has these three little parables. 
The first one focuses on treasures, and we talked about that with the kids. Treasures is that old-fashioned word that makes me think about pirates and treasure maps and, and maybe the movie Aladdin. But Jesus is straightforward about what following him with our treasures should look like. And then later in the passage, he's going to shift our view from that parable to two other little parables about what the future looks like. Now, I don't know about your house, but at my house, Scott will sometimes say, hey, we really need to talk about money stuff. And um, I won't lie, um, I go on high alert thinking, uh-oh, here it comes. Um, bad news, this is not going to be a great conversation. I rarely think, yay, how fun, let's talk money, I love it. And I think that it's going to involve difficult choices. And maybe as we read the passage, you had a similar thought today about our passage to say, we have to talk about money? But before we jump into that, we need to stop and look at that very first verse that's in that passage. Now, Luke in verse 32 says this, don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Now, it may be that he was concluding all that stuff above about not being worried about things, but it may be that he's telling us that as we start to talk about money, not to be afraid. And did you catch what it says about God? That God, as our heavenly father, has great happiness to give us the kingdom. Not just a little happiness, but great happiness. And I think that should shift how we feel about talking about money. Well, I think it implies we don't need to be afraid of giving what we have and investing in eternal things. Now, very plainly, in verse 33, Jesus says this, Sell your possessions and give to those in need. There's no instruction for what it will look like. There's no measurement. And part of me goes, what's that mean? How do I know if I'm doing that? And how much do I really have to give up? Does it mean 10%? Does it mean 100? Um, he doesn't give specifics, but it's obvious that this is a value that Jesus has. Now, the caring for people has been a value that Jewish um, communities have had since they took the Promised Land. In the Old Testament, God put in place in the laws a provision for the needy. When you had a field and you went to harvest it, you would leave the edges unharvested. And then anyone who had need could come and they could work in the field and they could harvest those edges and it was their food to take care of. Fast forward to Jesus, and of course he's thinking about this as he's giving this instruction. And you go a little bit farther forward and the New Testament church, it says in Acts chapter something, I think it's 4, um, 32, that the people in the church would sell whatever they had and they would share it with those who had need. This is a value that the church of Christ had in its early days. Jesus tells his followers this parable about the heavenly purse, like our kids discuss, and he points out that um, it's, there's a good purpose for giving to those in need. And he says it in verse 33. It says, um, give, and the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe, and no thief can steal it, and no moth can destroy it. There's a good reason 
that Jesus says, invest in heaven. There's nothing that can get lost, like Janelle's box, when you invest it in heaven. Our God is the kind who is happy to give us the kingdom, implying that we don't need to be afraid of what amount it means to sell your possessions and give to those in need. I'm not going to answer that question for us today because um, I don't frankly know the answer, but I think we each spend our time with God to say, what does that look like? How do I live into that? But what I do want to say is that giving to those in need is an investment in heaven, and we should contemplate doing it. And by this, right here in this little parable, God, through Jesus, gives us a self-check to say, what, how can we know where our heart is? We can kind of take our pulse and check our heart by glancing at our bank account or maybe our wallets or our possessions to know if we're making internal investments or not. Maybe we're fearfully holding on to what we have because we don't believe that God is the Father who has great happiness to give us his entire kingdom. Just a word of thought. So Janelle's box. Father's great happiness to give you the kingdom. About the time that Jessica and I settled in our minds, it wasn't coming back. Guess what showed up on my front porch? Chanel's box. It was pretty squished, and um, I had written the address wrong, but the, the post office was determined that it was going to get delivered somewhere, so they brought it back. I don't know. Was it God? I think so. We certainly prayed. Was my attitude wrong for a lot of it? Absolutely. I was worried about that stuff. I'm human too. Well, Jesus goes on. Verses 35 to 40, Jesus shifts to a different topic. It's as if his statement about purses in heaven reminded him about eternity, and it makes him think about the future day when he, Jesus, is going to come back. And so he shifts to this, um, and there's two small parables here. The first of these parables is about servants who are ready and waiting for their master to return from a wedding feast. When the master finds them, he rewards them because they've been faithful. And in the first parable, Jesus really compares himself to the master, and he compares his disciples, or us today, to the servants. Now, the parable is one that ancient readers would have understood a little different than we do because it talks about a wedding feast, and their weddings were different than ours. A groom would get his house all ready to bring that bride home to, and then he would leave the servants at the house having it all ready, and he would go and he would get the bride, and they would have a big, huge parade with the bride and her family and their friends and anyone along the way who kind of wanted to join, and they would make their way back to the groom's house, and he would knock on the door, they would open it, and they would go in and have a party. Well, that's a little different than our tradition, but this is the story that Jesus tells. And he says at the very beginning, be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning, as though you're awaiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. He says also down in verse 38, he may come in the middle of the night or just before dawn, but whenever he comes, he will reward the servants. And he says down in 40, you must be ready all the time for the Son of Man will come when least expected. So the first parable, he compares himself 
to the master. Now, I was thinking about this, and in my line of work, I'm a nurse. I work in surgery. So when I go to work, we open people up and fix what's wrong and put them back together and send them out. And all the times when I worked at the hospital, we would be what's called on call. That means you had to be by your phone, and you could go about your business, but you had to be by your phone. When that phone rang from the hospital, you had to be ready to go. You'd drive to the hospital, you'd go into the facility, you would put on their clean, sterile OR attire, you would start and open up all the supplies so that when a patient would come through who had an appendix that had ruptured, or a brain injury, or a shooting injury, or maybe a heart issue that needed surgery, we would be ready for them. We were dressed and ready for action. And we had a cart for each of those different kinds of procedures, and each cart had instruments and supplies. We were ready. It was prepared. And all we had to do was open it up and start getting ready to take care of those who needed help that came through the door. That would be the modern parable that I would tell. But it's an interesting thought to think about our spiritual lives. How do we have the same kind of readiness that Jesus tells his followers to have as they wait for Jesus to come back? How are we dressed for service, keeping our lamps burning, to be ready? Well, one of the sources I read this week says uh, and pointed out that we prepare for the Lord's coming not by merely being awake, but by being faithful, by being continuing to do those things that help us be ready. We are faithful. Another author said, um, when we are dressed and ready for Christ's return, we're looking for Christ and his working in the people around us. It's not just that we're looking at that far-off day of Christ's arrival. Christ is coming today, and he is in the people around us who need our help. When we see the needs of people and respond, we are demonstrating that we are dressed and ready servants. And I think, too, that as we're practicing listening for God's voice and practicing obedience to what his word says to do, we are also practicing being dressed and ready servants. In this passage, Jesus also says there is a reward for being faithful and ready. Did you guys catch it? There in verses 37... 38, he says, the servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. And then 38, whenever he comes, he will reward the servants who are ready. It's not just that God requires us to be ready. He's going to reward us. And this was the most significant thing out of the passage to me as I was studying this week. Verse 37, the end. I tell you the truth. He himself, and here he's talking about himself, Jesus, when he comes back, will seat the servants. Jesus will put on an apron, and he will serve them as they sit and eat. That is an amazing realization about the kind of God that we serve. It would be like me saying to you, um, the admiral in the army is going to serve dinner to the privates. Or it would be like saying, the Queen of England, when she comes home from her long day of business in her kingdom, is going to serve dinner to her house servants. God the Father in heaven, in Jesus, will serve us, and that is our reward. Because I don't know about you, sometimes I get tired of being responsible. I get tired of serving. I get tired of being ready 
and rest. But isn't it good to know that we serve a God who will reward us in that way? Those are amazing rewards if you ask me. So the last little parable is about a homeowner who isn't ready when a thief comes to rob the house. Had the homeowner known that the thief was going to be there, he would have prevented the robbery. Jesus is reminding us that his next coming will be unannounced, like a thief coming, and no one will know when he's going to return. So Luke was writing this gospel um, to the disciples, and he's recording this for them. And you think about the disciples that heard these words from Jesus right away. They would have thought, oh, he's coming soon. But then as time has gone by, and now we're 2,000 years down the road, Jesus hasn't come back yet. And I think that even in those early days, as they were going along, they began to think, hey, he's not back yet. What's wrong? And in my time, I find it really easy to get distracted going, oh, well, he didn't come back for 2,000 years. I got time. I don't have to really be ready. But Jesus is reminding us in this passage, be ready. You don't know when that thief will come to rob your house. You don't know when Jesus will show up. Michelle Fitch had texted a week or so ago and asked what the title of the sermon was in case she wanted to post it on um, social media for everyone to, to know about it. And the phrase that I kept thinking was, begin with the end in mind. Begin with the end in mind. I don't know if you've ever read the book Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. It's been out for quite a while, but that's the second habit in his book. And effective people begin with the end in mind. And what that means is you have a picture of what you want to create or build or do. And as you begin every day with that thought in mind, you then begin to little by little build that. You begin to go there. You begin to accomplish that. And that's how effective people get things done. This passage, Christ is saying, begin with the end in mind. The end is heaven. And we get to invest in that heaven even now. We get to take our treasures and invest in the future. We get to share what we have with those that need and invest in the future. We get to be ready and dressed for service because we know we're keeping that end in mind. We begin to live and work in such a way that our investments are stored in heaven rather than in earthly endeavors. So, where's your heart? What kind of a giver are we? Are we fearful? And we want to trust the vacations and the schooling and the food and the sports more than we want to trust the God who promises us his great kingdom? How are we at investing our treasures? Are we investing in heavenly purses or earthly ones? Are our hearts set on eternal things? Or are we just focusing on what brings us pleasure in the moment? Are we dressed and ready for service? Are we living each day with the end in mind? Are we living from the truth that God is happy to give us his kingdom and that he is the kind of God who serves selflessly? That is our question today. Where is our heart?
Let us pray together. Jesus, you were an amazing person in history. You were the very Son of God, God in total and yet human as well. And as you gave instructions to us, you understood our humanity and our fears, but you also gave us tasks to do. And so God, I pray that today we would not be afraid of giving. I pray that we would depend on who you are as a God in our lives. God, I ask that if there are needs here today, that you would help us, your body, to meet those needs. God, I pray that um, for our kids who were here in church today, that you would help them understand that even at their young age, they can invest in your kingdom. God, like that song we sang earlier said, you are worthy of all our praise. You are worthy of our whole lives. And so God, we commit today to begin with the end in mind, to view eternity and to keep working for that and to not be distracted by the things of this world and to invest our treasures with you instead of here. I ask now that you would continue to bless our time of worship, receive glory, do your work in our hearts. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.